Coming live from Florida, United States is our guest today evening. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. But before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like, and comment on whichever platform you are watching or listening to this show on. And today we have Dr. Katie Nile, PhD, mathematician, professional TEDx speaker, and we will talk to her to her about how to dissolve our waffles. Your waffles, our waffles. That's about worry, anxiety, fear, frustration, lethargy, exhaustion, and stress. Welcome to the show, Dr. Katinal. Thank you so much, AJ. It's my honor and pleasure to be your guest today. Thank you very much. So straight to this whole issue of waffles. Waffles is, uh, sounds very good word, but here it means a bit different. So can you tell us more about these waffles? You know, this, this worry and all this stuff that makes up your waffles, your trademark. <laughs> well, AJ, I um, was, I went back to school to earn my PhD in mathematics, and I wanted to help students overcome their fear and anxiety about math and test taking. So I went out and looked to try and see what I could find, and I found nothing. Until 2010, I went and I found Nick Ortner's 10-Day Tapping Summit. And in doing the 10-Day Tapping Summit, I got so excited and thought maybe this might work for the students. So I started rounding up the students at the college where I worked and saying, I have no idea if this is gonna work or not, let's try it. So we were in my office and we were trying to dissolve these waffles and they would come back one after another and say, I got through my math class. Well, AJ, I didn't know who was more surprised, them or me, because I didn't know if it was gonna work or not. Once I saw that this process could work, I got so excited. I went back and I got training in level one, level two, level three, trauma, quantum, and, and now a trainer. So I can train others in how to dissolve their waffles. But the problem was I would go to complete strangers in the street and take them by the shoulders and say, I know you've got a problem. I know you have stress. I can help you. Well, they were scared. <laughs> yeah, obviously, obviously. <laughs> And so I thought, well, I can't introduce people to this new technique that way. I'll just start talking about it. So I'd go up to people and say, let me tell you about emotional freedom technique and how wonderful it is. I can tell you how to reduce your stress by tapping. Well, everybody wanted me to teach them tap dancing. I'm like, I don't know how to dance. <laughs> so I was trying to figure out a way that I could explain this process to people in a way that they would want to know more. And I thought, how do I help people help them overcome their worries, their anxiety, their fear? And I went, wait a minute, this is getting close to spelling waffles. So now I tell people that I show them how to dissolve their waffles. And then I introduce them to emotional freedom technique tapping. And that seems to kind of, um, It'd be a great way to introduce people to this very exciting technique. Right, right. We will come to uh, to your technique, uh, Dr. Katie Nall. But first of all, tell me about how exactly one can know that they are 
suffering from such a problem why firstly why is there so much of stress though we know it but i wanted to hear from you and how does one know uh, you know different things uh, they are suffering from worry anxiety fear frustration lethargy exhaustion and stress stress everything all are these different words and everything must be having different symptoms can you tell us in detail so that people always do not resort to self treatment and rather go and seek help that is why all these details are necessary for for our audience and i guess it's a it's a global audience too so a lot of people will benefit from that that's a great question aj and i have a confession to make so i hope nobody's listening to this part i don't <laughs> i don't take a shower or a bath every day and when we were in lockdown there were days where i that there were more days that i was dirty than when i was clean and it was actually when my husband would look at me and say are you planning on taking a shower this week <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes when it's not convenient, I don't, I don't wash up. I don't, I just, I think, oh, I'm not, I'm not outside. I'm not getting dirty. I, I don't see the dirt. I can't smell it. It's not awful. But then other people can tell me and they're like, oh, you really need to take a shower now. Well, sometimes our stress is the same way, AJ. Every day we have things that kind of cause us to, feel worried, anxious, fearful, frustrated, lethargic, exhausted, and stressed. But we may not know it if we are not practicing stress reduction every day. And in fact, it's kind of like that part about not taking a shower when somebody else has to notice. Somebody may say to me, why are you feeling so angry today? Or how come you're so short with me? Or why? Why did you, why did you bite my head off? You know, when I just ask you a question and I don't even realize that I'm stressed and it's because I haven't taken my stress shower every day. Okay. So what happens is we get stressed every day. We get worried, anxiety, fear, frustration, lethargy, exhaustion, stress every day. And if we don't do something about it every day, it builds and builds and builds until somebody else says something. So what causes stress? Anything that causes us discomfort. So it may be somebody pushing you or, or accidentally nudging you, in, you know, in a store. It could be while you're driving and somebody pulls out in front of you. It could be um, a friend or a relative who says something sharp that they're having a bad day. But when they talk to you, it kind of, you kind of reel back and say, what is that? A lot of people are worried about money with inflation. A lot of people are worried about the the uh, state of the world, the earth right now. <clears throat> a lot of people are worried about politics. There's so many things that people are worried about, and they are worrying about things that they cannot control right now. And it's when you focus on the things that you can't control that your worry and your stress level just keeps going up and up and up. So what we can talk about is how to reduce the stress level so that you can think clearly. When are, we are under stress, AJ, in our body, our cortisone levels go up, our adrenal levels go up, and our immune system goes down. So acknowledging that we have stress and working to reduce it is going to improve our physical health as well.
that's a great way doctor you have explained about you know about taking shower you may not know it you may feel great but others may not and that's that's about all these other factors that you have mentioned about worry anxiety fear frustration anybody else can see it you may you may not be able to see it and that's where the mismatch happens you feel all right you feel great and especially i understand in job in working places if you are the top dog nobody is able to tell you but they can read you they can see you and it impacts everybody at right. home also yes in at home also it can be the same thing if it's like if people are not able to tell you the difference now let us break it uh, dr kt here first is how does one know what is worry anxiety fear how do you differentiate that you can differentiate it because the treatment the level of uh, you know uh, level of intensity that you need to deal with each of them will be different a worry is a worry but how do one differentiate that a worry is turning into anxiety a fear is leading to anxiety or is it a hereditary problem and it is genetics part of genetics that different things impact people differently uh, and and they react to things differently it's the same i have seen it a lot around me worry some people are over worrying but i may not feel the same level and that is where the mismatch happens so please for our sake for the audience sake to as simply simplified as possible that's a great question aj um a lot of people say worry is thinking about things that are that may or may not happen in the future and you're concerned about all the different things that could go wrong uh anxiety is having that feeling <clears throat> about what's coming up and um and it's usually something internally where where um where they're feeling anxious. It's interesting, AJ, when you do the research, uh, Dr. Sully was the first physician to really identify a characteristic called stress. And what he found is that it's when your adrenal levels go up, your cortisol levels goes up, and your immune system goes down. And he found that this is true regardless of any other diagnosis that you'd have. When he found that out, uh, people didn't buy into it as much until they started doing more and more research. And they found that we need a little bit of stress, right? If there's no stress at all and we're laying out on the beach and we're having a good time, we're not going to get any work done because no stress, right. no work, right? So we need a little bit of stress to motivate us. We need something to get us started, to get us going. But we reach a, a certain amount of stress. And then when we reach too much stress, we come at the point where we can no longer do our work. And so then we start declining. <clears throat> and I know during the pandemic, when we were in lockdown and there was so much uncertainty that that's when I wanted to go into a corner and pull a blanket over my head. It was just too much, right? Exactly. A lot of people right. say that there's three things that cause stress. One is uncertainty, lack of information and loss of control. And if you think about our world right now, what do you see? A lot of people feel like they don't have enough information, even though with the internet is available to us, they don't know who to believe. A lot, lack of control. There's so many things that we wanna do and people are feeling like there's no control over everything and so much uncertainty. When you look at those three things, 
and you identify them, that can really be triggers for stress. Now you mentioned AJ that different people handle stress differently and that's true. And it's all based on our life experience. A great example they give is that if the building I'm in right now catches fire, I would know what to do. I'd get out of the building and I would call uh, in America, it's 911. I'd call 911 for the fire engines to come and put the fire out. And if I was 15 years old, I'd probably know what to do. If I was 10 years old, I might know what to do. If I was five years old, uh, I'm not sure I'd know what to do. But what if I was five months old and I was just an infant laying on the floor here and the building started catching fire? I wouldn't have any idea what to do. And the amygdala part of my brain, the little, uh, little part of my brain that's working to keep me safe is going to absorb everything that's going on when I'm feeling unsafe. And let's say that there was a red trash can in the corner, a red waste bin in the corner on that day where I was laying on the floor and the building caught fire. My amygdala is going to remember that. And later on as an adult, where I now have prefrontal cortex information on how to deal with things, I walk into a room and there's a red waste bin, a red trash can in the corner. My amygdala is going to go off and say, danger, 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 danger. And I won't know why, because I can't remember being five months old and seeing a red trash can in the corner. And so that, um, but my prefrontal cortex is like, I don't know why I don't feel safe here. So have you ever been in that situation where you're going to a room and it's like, I don't feel safe here. Or you meet somebody and you go, this doesn't feel right. And that's your amygdala trying to protect you because there's something about that person. There's something about that room that reminds you about a time when you personally were in danger and you may be the only one in that room who feels waffles, who feels the worry, the anxiety, the fear, frustration, lethargy, exhaustion, or stress, because it's something that happened to you personally. So our amygdala has a storage of all of these things that is trying to keep track of to keep us safe. And what tapping or emotional freedom technique does is it relieves the amygdala and says, you know, when I was five months old, I'm so glad that you kept me safe. But now I have skills that I've learned from before, from when I was five months old that will keep me safe. So thank you for keeping me safe. And now you don't have to worry about it. Does that make more sense? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. So, Dr. Katie, can you tell us which are the age groups? Can we divide, uh, you know, waffles by age group or is it prevalent across in the same numbers across all age groups? Or is there um, a particular age group which they call midlife crisis or something like that? Is it, is it more prevalent then? Just break it down for us, please. Um, my clients have been from newborn to um, people my age and older. Uh, the younger the client, the faster it works because they don't have as much to undo. One of my granddaughters was, uh, she was just a few months old and everybody had come to the house. There was a lot of commotion. There was a lot going on and it was just too much for her. She was so, um, hyper and she couldn't eat. She couldn't sleep. All she, she couldn't even cry. All she could do is scream because she was just, it was too much. It was just too much. 
So I okay. asked her parents, my son and, and his wife, I said, is it okay if I tap on her? She was on uh, her grandmother's shoulder and her, grand, her other grandmother was trying to soothe her and nothing would help. So I started tapping on her little head just to kind of get her soothed down. And I didn't even get, I didn't even get all the way through the tapping and she was out like that. So I have worked with young children. I've worked with students. I've worked with adults and it, it just, it always works. It just matters how much time it takes to get to the core issue and resolve it. Okay. Okay. So we should assume that stress or waffles can impact anyone at any stage because yep. of different because of any any reason uh, that we see is it is it anything anywhere related to genetics or hereditary that somewhere some people are more prone towards worry and uh, and and stress you know aj uh, that's a good point and i don't know if it's genetics and dna as much as it is family history some families have had horrific trauma um i know some families who've had um, generations of trauma. Um, can, they can be helped, sure. Um, but you do go back generations back to, to try and help them because you have to clear it up from all the way back. But it can be done. And that's the part that's exciting is that um, it's not so much our DNA as much as it has been emotional experiences that people have, have gone through, right? Okay, we'll come to that, you know, experiment, the tapping part, because that's very useful. People will should know about it. But one more question on this, doctor, is that uh, when do people know that this is I can handle and this is the time to seek professional help? Come to you. You know, unfortunately, people wait too long. Uh, using the shower analogy, they wait until they're crusted with dirt. <laughs> Before, yeah. before they right but They're, but what hap but what happens if you are living all alone in your apartment yeah well and that's and it's when they feel so hopeless they feel so um so uh outcast um and that's that's really the unfortunate part about waffles about stress is that people won't get help until they're so bad off and, and, and I think it's our culture, it's our humanity that we, we don't encourage people to um, shower their emotions every day, to clean them. Uh, and we need, to, we need to encourage one another. And just like you mentioned, AJ, that if people are living alone, it's our responsibility for those of us who don't live alone to reach out to those who seem like everything's okay and check in on them every now and then and say, Hey, how are you doing? Let's, let's get together. Let's, let's, um, let's make, find out how you're doing. Let's see what's happening. Mm -hmm. oh, why is it so much, you know, people are so concerned that if I seek help, uh, I would not be seen again in the same positive light as before. Whereas Dr. Katie, we can see everywhere in our day to day life, not only in the U S but even in India and other countries, that professional athletes, a lot of competitive guys, industry people, they are getting experts who can tell them how to toughen up, how to get a better frame of mind. Athletes who have lost, you know, a couple of games and they want to get back into 
you know, mental shape. When it, we read about it on the papers and how they have gone and defeated, uh, defeated their own peers and won again. Now, that is something one should imbibe very easily, but that is not happening. Why is it? Isn't it an irony in itself? I think, AJ, that, our, um, that as, as a human, we like to feel like we can, um, we can do anything. We can fix anything, right? And we don't, we don't understand that as humans, we need other humans and we need, we need to ask for help. In, in so many of our cultures, we feel like asking for help is a sign of weakness when really asking for help is a sign of strength. If, if you have to be very strong to ask for help, right? Absolutely, and, absolutely. Yeah, and we don't we don't teach that. We don't uh, when we look at like the superheroes and and the people we admire. We admire them for their personal strength, and they may not tell that story. That hey, I had a lot of help. I mean, right now, AJ, I'm I'm pretty successful in my life. I have. A husband who loves me and whom I love. I have three grown children who still talk to me. I have five adorable granddaughters, but I've had a lot of help along the way. And if I hadn't had that help, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be as happy as I am now. So it's it's hard to reach out to get to ask for help, and um and but it's strong. You are only you are so very strong when you ask for help. Yes, yes, I could absolutely see it, ma'am, because twice I had to reboot my laptop and, and you were as cool as a cucumber. Nothing was happening and you knew that things will sort out and this this won't be a no-show. It will be a show for sure, you know, because we yeah. have been waiting for this interview for quite long. Now, that I could see very clearly. I can tell you for sure with several other people, it may not have been the same case. Means uh, and a host going off air, rebooting twice, and somebody will think maybe it's nothing, not going to happen, and that reflects from the way, from your demeanor, the way you are dealing with, you know, all these day-to-day small, small shocks in your life, so-called shocks. Some people may find nothing; it's a, you know, and some people may find that it's a it's a big deal. So yeah, uh, I, I do I do get what you mean. But one question I've got uh, from Shweta, one of our view, uh, viewers, is that how to deal and convince someone, especially a family member or a close friend, to seek help. How do we do that? When do we know it's the, all things are going out of hand and now we got to push it? Um, you know, it's, it, it's very painful to watch when other family members need help and we know that they need help. And this advice is going to sound strange, but I strongly encourage the person who can see that other families need help, other family members need help, to first get help themselves. Because as you can help yourself, you can then, first of all, you can um, uh, monitor the way you're feeling about the family member who you probably love and you're concerned about, but you can manage your own emotions about that. And then you can go to the family member and say, you know, I was concerned about you and so I got help and this is what happened to me. And then all we can do is hope that the family member would say, tell me more and then get help themselves. One of the most frustrating things there are in life, AJ, is that not being able to help those we love. 
I know. Um, I used to say I as a parent, you. yeah, as a parent, it's really hard to watch my children make mistakes. I'm like, oh no, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> but I know that people have to learn from their mistakes and that people have their own um, free will, that they can choose to make as many mistakes as they can want to. <laughs> and that my only responsibility is to love them. Yes, I, I, I fully get it because I've been reading a lot on forums and people writing. Nowadays, we have the social media. So people keep on writing about their experiences, the amount of toxicity that has come into your lives. And unfortunately, it comes from people that goes up close to you and they don't know how to deal with that. So they come to the social media and seek help. And most of the answers I find is that they, somebody else is just asking for them to seek help from a therapist or some professional, you know, uh, another sort of a professional help. Last question on this, and then we get to that, you know, technique of yours is that how does a family member who is so part of this whole thing know that it's time to let go? Just it's not in your hands. You shouldn't do or it is going to harm you. <clears throat> so I had a family member who I considered uh, toxic. Every time I was around that family member, I would get upset. I couldn't feel I didn't feel like I could help their problems. Um, and it took me a long time, AJ, to recognize that, first of all, to recognize that it was only when I was with that one family member that it was so toxic. And this was a very close family member. And I finally had to decide that I had to let that family member go off and that I had to protect my own, my own well-being. And so the phrase I use, I don't, know that anyone else uses this, but I had to emotionally divorce that person so that when that person came into my sphere, um, I would say hello and that I love them because I did. And then I would, I would emotionally back off because I knew that person could trigger a lot of things in me. So I think you have to protect your own emotional safety first and then, and then deal as much as you can. Now with this person, I physically had to move away. I physically had to move away uh, because it was such a negative influence in my life. And it was, it was not easy. It was not easy. Um, I actually was homeless for a while and um, lived under the bushes um, and had to go into foster care. I had to be strong enough to ask for help, but I had, I knew that for my own uh, emotional health, I had to I had to give some distance. Mm -hmm. I fully understand it, ma'am. Nothing else can explain this better uh, mm -hmm. and to also to know where to draw your boundaries and where to seek. It's like they, they, they demonstrate in the plane that if you want to help others when there is a, you know, oxygen failure, then you put your mask first, your oxygen mask Correct. first before yeah. helping anybody else. I fully get it, ma'am. Now, yeah. on the positive note, there is something from you, which can help a lot of people to deal with their waffles. Yeah. Let's get into that. And see okay, let's do this. I'm so excited. So, AJ, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. Okay. Um, it just has to be true. So can you think <laughs> in, the last, in the last one or two days, 
where you've had something that's caused you waffles, caused you worry, anxiety, fear, frustration, lethargy, exhaustion, or stress? Mm, I think not, not too much. The reason okay. is that I had it, had it a lot of it earlier on. So oh, maybe no. I have developed a strong uh, mechanism out of all my past experiences to not let it impact. So okay. maybe it's, it's, yeah, it's like you exercise something. So while you are exercising, you bear that pain, but when you, then, then you can lift up a heavy weight. So I perhaps I'm not that impacted. I can put it that way. Okay. Okay. And one of the things that is strange about this technique is that we focus on the negative, which is so different. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me get a drink of water. So if you think about something in the last day or two that's caused you worry, anxiety, fear, frustration, lethargy, exhaustion, stress, what would that be? I, I would say uh, there is a lot of uncertainty about COVID still, at least from my point of view. A lot of people are moving out, but I haven't got a very clear indication as to whether COVID is around or it's like where. So that's that's a lot of uncertainty and sometimes you are not able to fully decide. That can impact my okay. thinking process, my decision-making process. And when you think about that uncertainty, AJ, from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes, where do you feel the uncertainty in your body? Mm, it's difficult to say. Maybe maybe it, it adds here because you think about uh, it's impacting all aspects of your life, you know, your financial life, your personal life. You want to go out a bit more. You don't want to wear a mask. You know, that also is a problem sometimes. And if you wear a mask, you don't know whether others are following it. So even if it is like, you know, to take care of yourself, you still have to worry about others, uh, uh, about others uh, way of dealing it because it impacts you. Right. So when you think about the masks and the uncertainty, what, do you call this your head? Your head? Yes. Is that where yes. you feel the uncertainty no, no. in your head? I don't, I don't hold it, but perhaps at the end of the day with all this heat, in Delhi at the moment, and perhaps with an extra bit of thinking, you certainly need some sort of, you know, uh, some sort of uh, pressure on your head to make it feel better. Okay. And from zero to 10, where zero is like, oh, it's no big deal. It's going to pass. And 10 is the most uncertain you've ever felt in your life. Where would you call, how much uncertainty do you think you would have? As of today, I would say about the COVID and all this stuff, maybe six to seven, it fluctuates between six to seven because maybe it is that I'm a, I'm aware that COVID is on a decline and it will go, but when it will go, nobody knows about it. And okay. people have to yet to take the booster dose and all those things are happening. So, but I would say I may be different in the way I see it. My wife may see it differently and somebody else may see it differently. Like, Several of my friends don't find that COVID exists anymore. So, so but yes, yes, it, it does impact. Okay. And uh, is this a true statement right here, right now? I feel safe. I feel that, safe because, yes, I do. I do because I made those efforts to make myself safe. Good. Okay. So now we'll start the tapping. And you start on the, have your hand, your palm facing your hand. 
<clears throat> and between your wrist and your little fingers, start tapping right there. Okay. Between my wrist and my little finger. Okay, okay. Like okay. this? Yeah. You can use all okay. four fingers of your other hand. Yeah. And down below your little finger on the fleshy part of your side of your hand. Okay. And then repeat after me and say, even though. Even though. I feel so much uncertainty. I feel so much uncertainty. In my head. In my head. Right here, right now, I feel safe. Right here, right now, I feel safe. Even though. Even though. In my head, there's uncertainty. In my head, there is uncertainty. When I think about COVID. When I think about COVID. Right here, right now, I feel safe. Right here, right now, I feel safe. And then last time, even though. Even though. I don't know about COVID. I have known about COVID. And I feel this uncertainty in my head. I feel there's uncertainty in my head. Right here, right now, I feel safe. Right here, right now, I feel safe. And then on the top of your head, and you can use one hand or the other or both, and tap on the top of your head <coughs> and say, this uncertainty in my head. This uncertainty in my head. And then above your nose, right on the edge of your eyebrow, and again, you can use one hand or the other or both on the edge of your eyebrow and say this uncertainty in my head this uncertainty in my head and then on the temple between your eye line, edge of your eye and your hairline this okay. uncertainty in my head there's uncertainty in my head and then under your eyes this uncertainty in my head this uncertainty in my head and then under your nose this uncertainty in my head this uncertainty in my head. And then under your lips, this uncertainty in my head. This uncertainty in my head. And then cross your wrist and go on your collarbone and tap on your collarbone and say, this uncertainty in my head. This uncertainty in my head. And then the last spot is right on your ribs. So you tap your ribs and say, this uncertainty in my head. This uncertainty in my head. Now blow your air out like a cartoon character. It goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know how to. Yeah, I got it. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. So when you okay. think about your uncertainty about COVID now from zero to 10, how intense does it feel now? White light means I, uh, I must tell you, and I'm not telling you because it's a show. Because it doesn't matter. You know, it, we are talking about some real stuff, important stuff. So I don't have to say yes, but I do feel very light. And actually, while tapping, you know, it felt like things, a lot of heaviness was getting out of my body. I'll tell you what, Indian technique, we have got yoga and a lot of things are there. But I'll tell you, those things, the way we do it is different. But this is a quite a simple way we can always follow. And this is yeah. quite good. Means yeah. you. you you know which points to press. So this is like tapping. You are doing it. It's, it's impacting. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's very easy. And if you do it, um, there are some schools that do this for six minutes a day, every day. The students, the faculty, the staff, the custodians, everybody. And they found that when they do it, the <coughs> test scores go up. The discipline problems go down. And... Um, 
I'm sorry, somebody's walking in my yard and I just saw it. And, um, and even the special education kids have found that they're doing better. Right, right. It, it works. I can feel yeah. that, you know, the, uh, the uh, heartbeat energy. has, that yes, energy, heartbeat has become much more synchronized. Something, something special is happening. And maybe everybody will get to understand or feel it when they do it themselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would okay. encourage your audience to do it along with us. Yes, mm -hmm. perfectly, perfect. And before before somebody trespasses into <laughs> into your property, <laughs> uh, I, I, should, I I must you know just thank you for all this uh, great talk and all your great advice and especially this tapping technique. And I'm sure a lot of people will benefit out of you out of all of out of you your technique about your emotional freedom stuff. So with this, it's a wrap on this edition of the KJ Masterclass. Thank you so much, Dr. Thank Katina. You. Thank, you, Thank you, AJ.